You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Grab your sermon notes there if you'd like. Grab your Bibles. Look with me. This morning we are continuing on in the series that we actually began last Sunday called Life on Mission. As we're talking about what what it looks like when the church moves to action. So here's a little test. From last, we're gonna have a pop quiz this morning. How many remember pop quizzes in school? Some of you are sweating already. And really easy, one question. Here's the pop quiz this morning from last Sunday. Who is the church? We are. As what we discovered last week, the church is not like an institution governed by a bunch of bylaws and regulations, though we do have some bylaws. But that's really not, that's really not the church. The church is what? It's, it's individuals who have been redeemed by the grace of God who are now called to represent the love of Christ to the world. That's really the church. So the church is not an institution. The church is a living organism of people like yourself who every day have an opportunity to live life on mission. So if you can think of it like this, we are Christ's representatives. We are Jesus' representatives. We're, we're living testimonies to the world that, that we belong to God and that God loves us. That, that's kind of who we are as the church. I, I want to tell you a couple stories to illustrate this truth. How many of you like stories? I love stories. These are stories, true stories about people in our in our congregation, in our church family. There's a man uh, who's a part of our congregation who's a coach at a local high school. His calling is to be an influencer of young men, and his vocation, what he does to make a living, is that he's a coach. Did you catch how I said that? His calling is to be a representative of Christ. He happens to do it at a high school. Uh, His vocation, what he does to make a living, to provide for his family, is he's a coach. Every workday, he has the opportunity to go into the school system and represent Jesus to a group of young men as he's coaching them. And through the process, this is what's happening. This coach is modeling to these young men what it looks like to be a man of God. He's modeling values and, and principles. He's building into these group of young men principles that will not only help them succeed as they're competing, but will also help them be effective in life. When the boys are struggling, he gets to encourage them. When, when they have questions, he gets to provide answers. When they need counsel and guidance, um, he has an opportunity to speak into their life. So, so more than just doing a job and earning a paycheck, this man is really a minister on assignment representing Jesus as he's impacting a group of young men. Happening Monday through Friday. The church in action. Hey, here's another story. There's a couple in our congregation who are business leaders. Every day they, they go into the marketplace to do their work. But more than being business leaders, they're ministers on assignment. They started a foundation called the Lotta Foundation. The Lotta Foundation. And the mission of the Lotta Foundation is really simple. It's to do a lot of good in our community. Pretty simple, right? Do a lot of good. So the, these are things that they do. They, they collect coats in the, in the wintertime to give to individuals who don't have coats in our community. Like the poor individuals who would have need, they're serving those folks. In the Christmas season, they, they gather toys and they, and they throw this big party giving food and groceries to families in need doing a lot of good. And there's several other um, 
initiatives that they carry out. And it's really all focused on how can we serve others. And in that, what are they doing? They're representing Jesus Christ. It's the church in action. So these are business leaders who are living their lives on assignment, making a difference in the lives of others. I think that's what, that's what the church looks like. The church on assignment. I want to do a quick review of what we talked about last week so I can build on that this morning. So in case you were not here, let me just catch you up really quick. And for those who were here, let me remind you of what we talked about. We said last week that there's been a radical relocation of the presence of God. It's really important that we understand this because it affects how we think about church. A radical relocation of the presence of God. If you begin in the Old Testament, we have stage one. Here's stage one. God in there. God in the building. When Solomon built the temple, the presence of God moved where? In the building. In there. God in there. As we come to the New Testament, as God's plan of redemption is unfolding, we know that Jesus sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bring about what? To bring about salvation for mankind. And so what happened, we went from God in there to God with us. Matthew one twenty three says, and he'll be called Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. We have God present. God moved into the neighborhood, if you can think of it like that. And we come to stage three. Jesus, before he went to the cross, he told the disciples, go to Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've received what the Father's promised, being the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. What Jesus spoke of happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and indwelt them. So here's stage 3, God in us. So we went from God in there in the building to God with us in this, in this time, in this dispensation, we have what we have God in us. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So that means what? It means wherever you go, it's there God is. Why? Because the presence of God is in you. Because of that reality, it really forces us to rethink church. As I said last week, we need a paradigm shift as it relates to the church. We need to rethink church. Three statements we said. The first is this. The clergy are not the only ministers. Every Christ follower is a representative of Jesus and a minister of the gospel. I mean, think, think about the potential of this. Grace Covenant doesn't have 18 ministers being our staff, our pastoral staff, Grace Covenant has 3,500 ministers who are strategically placed throughout our community. Think of the potential of that. Wow. The second shift we said we need to make is this. The church building is where we gather to celebrate, but we're called to go and demonstrate the love of Jesus. So, so Sunday's really about Monday. We come to get our tank filled so we can go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday into our world, into our schools, into our marketplace to demonstrate the love of Jesus. Here's the third shift we said we need to make. An effective church is not about how many butts are in the seat, but how many feet are on the street. In other words, it's not about how many people are on the roll. Not about how many people join. It's really about how many people are living on assignment. So what does it look like? What does it look like to live life 
on assignment. What does it look like when we live life on mission, understanding that God's created us for a greater purpose than just making money? God's created us for a greater purpose than just existing. Yeah, I, really, I really don't think it's that difficult, but what it does require is, is a change in our thinking. Rather than just going to work, going to school, or going to do life, we begin to see the opportunities around us and the people around us and realize that's the very place that we've been called to represent Jesus. That's the very place that we've been called to, to live on assignment. Looking there to your notes this morning, it's interesting. As you study the life of Jesus, you discover that he spent most of his time hanging out with people. And 90% of the miracles occurred outside of the temple. In other words, it was not in the building. Why? Because most of the time Jesus was outside of the building. He was hanging out with folks. He walked into the lives of sinners. He touched the lepers. He associated with prostitutes and he dined with heathens. He hung out with the ungodly so that he might reveal the love of God. In other words, Jesus went to where people were. He gave grace to people in their failures. He gave comfort to those in crisis. He helped people who were in need. He spent time with people who were, who were seeking. In order for Jesus to reach and rescue the world, he had to penetrate it. Likewise, for us to impact and influence the world for Christ, we also have to penetrate it. We have to move into it. Dr. John Stott says it so well, and I put this quote into your notes because I think he zeroes in on the problem. And he states it very clearly, even maybe in a way that's a bit offensive. So you can be offended at Dr. Stott, not me this morning. I'm just going to read what he wrote. Notice he says, we are to go as he went, speaking of Jesus. To penetrate human society and to mix with unbelievers and to fraternize with sinners. Does not one of the church's greatest failures lie here? We have disengaged too much. We have become a withdrawn community. We have become aloof instead of alongside. We've separated ourselves. We've retreated to the security of a building. We've become aloof instead of alongside. It's as we come alongside of people who have not yet experienced the love and grace of Jesus that they get to experience Jesus Christ through our actions and through our words. Well, they experience the church. So on Sunday, on Sunday the church gathers, but on Monday through Saturday the church should scatter into the community, into the marketplace to represent Jesus, to live our lives on assignment. Paul, the Apostle Paul speaks of this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. We read this last week, but I want to read it again this week and go a little deeper. I want to unpack this verse for you this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along or it's on the screen. Notice what Paul wrote. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. In other words, slate wiped clean, past totally forgiven. You have a new identity. Why? Because of the provision of God. It goes on in verse 18 to say, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself and through Christ. Notice what happened. He gave us, us, what the ministry of reconciliation. It goes on in verse 19 to say that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to, notice again, us, the church, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, this passage reveals, I believe, the wonder of what God's done for us through the provision of Christ. And then it goes on to give us some really clear direction as to what we should do as to, as to the assignment we have as Christ's followers. So first, let's look at what Christ has done for us, what God has done for us. Looking there to your notes, because of the mercy and grace of God, notice we've been reconciled through Jesus and have become a new creation. Now this word, this word reconcile simply means to this, to restore to friendship or to restore to harmony or to bring together that which has been separated. Now for this process of reconciliation really to mean anything to us this morning, we first must understand that we were separated from God. Remember, the scripture says we were separated from God and without hope. And we were without hope because we couldn't save ourselves. We were separated from God and we couldn't get back to right relationship with God. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 2 and chapter 3, we see the crisis, the fall of humanity, as Adam and Eve disobeyed, as they sinned. At that point, humanity was separated from God. Because of sin, there was a wall that divided, a wall that separated. The wall was sin, and we couldn't solve our sin problem. So what? We were um, at enmity with God. We were separated from God. Here's the good news, though. God made the first move. God moved toward us. God took action. He sent his son to die that we might live. Matter of fact, if you look on down to verse 21, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, the scripture says, And God made him, being Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might be reconciled. So what God sent his son to remove the wall that separated so that we might be at friendship with God. Or that we might be at peace with God. Today, you can be at peace with God through the provision of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that's good news? Today, we have abundant life, the promise of eternal life. Why? We've been reconciled. But how many of you know with privilege comes responsibility? With privilege comes responsibility. So we have the privilege of, by the mercy and grace of God, we've been reconciled. So what's the responsibility? If you look on down to verse 18, every Christ follower has been reconciled to be a reconciler. We've been rescued so that we can be a rescuer. We get to be a part of the reconciliation process. We get to tell the story. If you look back to verse 18, notice Paul says, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us, again, us, the church, the ministry of reconciliation. In verse 19, Paul says, God has committed to us the message. So we have the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Those who have been who have experienced that of, of peace with God. Now we get to go and tell the story to others. We get to help them discover the same. We get to be peacemakers. Have you ever had like two good friends who had a falling out? 
or maybe family members. Any of you ever have family members that can't get along? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So you have Cousin Joe and Cousin Bill. They have a falling out. You know, harsh words are said. Maybe there was some wrong actions. And you're on the outside looking in. So you kind of see this thing playing out. And because you really... You really like your cousins and, and you're, you're, you know, your heart's sad because like this friendship, this relationship has been separated because of the issue. So you get your two cousins together to have a healthy conversation to resolve the issue. What, what did you just do? You help them reconcile. Or if you can think of it like this, you were the peacemaker between the two cousins. Helping them restore the relationship. Listen, in the same way, you and I today have both the privilege and the responsibility to help people understand there's a solution to their sin problem. To help them understand that they can live at peace with God. We've been reconciled to be reconcilers. And we look on into what Paul wrote here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we also discover that every Christ follower is an ambassador representing Jesus. Verse 20 makes this very clear. Notice Paul wrote, we are therefore Christ's ambassador. So what is an ambassador? An ambassador is simply this, a representative. It's, it's someone who's representing the, the good of another. If you, if you can think of it like this, as a nation, the United States of America, we have ambassadors. Ambassadors living in other nations around the world. What are, why, what, are, what are they doing? What's their assignment? Their assignment is to represent the president of the United States and the good of our nation. They're not there to do their own thing. They're not there to do whatever they want. No, they're there specifically to represent the good of the United States. So think about this. In, in the country of Mexico, we have a, an ambassador. And he's there to do what? Or she's there to do what? To represent our nation. To speak up for our nation. To speak for the good of our nation. They're representing. In the same way Paul would say, you and I are ambassadors. But wherever we go. In the grocery store, to the gym, to the school, on the work site, in the construction area, in the race shop, in the neighborhood. Wherever you go, wherever you are, it's there that you're an ambassador. You're representing Jesus. You're there doing what Jesus would do if he were there himself. That's the role of a, an ambassador. So as representatives of Jesus Christ... What I, what I believe is we're called to live on assignment. So in the few minutes I have left this morning, let, let me share with you some insight about living on assignment. I'm going to give you five statements really quick. What does it look like? What does it practically look like? Because I think we have to get from theory to practice, right? Because we're, we're moving outside of the building. So how does this practically work out Monday through Friday? Five things. The first is this. You need to show up. You need to be confident because you have help. Listen, here's the good news today. You're not on your own as a representative of Jesus Christ. You have help. Who do you have? You have the third person in the Trinity. You have the Holy Spirit who's residing in you. We talked about that earlier. So what? As you go to represent Jesus, you're not on your own trying to make this thing happen. No, you got the Holy Spirit in you helping you represent Jesus. 
That's one of the roles of of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, this is what Jesus said. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Before Jesus ascended to the Father, he was crucified, resurrected. Before he ascended, this is what he said to the disciples. But you'll receive power, dunamis. You'll receive a dynamic when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my witnesses. You can be my living testimonies. But the Holy Spirit enables us to represent Jesus in the workplace, in our schools, on your college campus. So first thing I would encourage you to do is show up. Be confident because you have help. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul identifies, the Apostle Paul identifies nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Or if you will, nine enablements of the Holy Spirit. He talks about things like word of wisdom and word of knowledge and, and the working of miracles. Talks about different ways the Holy Spirit manifests to help us represent Jesus. Now, listen, I've been in the Pentecostal church all my life. Pastor's son grew up in church. And, and I was always taught that the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, were for church on Sunday morning. And you know what I've come to believe? Is that the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, are not so much for Sunday morning, but they're really about Monday morning. Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. What? The enablement of the Holy Spirit helping us represent Jesus wherever life would take us. And it's not like weird. It's just kind of the Holy Spirit helps us. Remember, this happened just this week. Just this week, I was driving down the road, and just out of the blue, uh, there was this elderly couple in our congregation who the Holy Spirit just brought to my mind. I don't know why I would just all of a sudden think about this couple, but all of a sudden they were just like I saw in in my mind, I, I saw them, and I thought I need to give them a call. And so I looked up their name, phone number. I gave them a call. And when the lady answered the phone, I said, hey, this is Pastor Farrell. Just call and kind of check in and see how you're doing. And she says, you know, it's such a coincidence that you would call today. That I had a fall, broke a couple bones in my back, said I've been in rehab. My husband's been in rehab. She went on to tell me the situation. I said, well, a coincidence I would call. I said, man, I just want to pray for you. Like, like how, would I, how would I know that? How would I... Like, I'm not, listen, I'm not that smart, and I'm not that good. I understand that about me. But I believe it's the Holy Spirit, like, helping so that I can represent Him in my assignment. Like, not in a weird way, but just like, well, we have help. So, listen, the first thing I would encourage you to do is you're living on assignment. Show up, be confident, because you have help. Second is this, build up. Be aware of opportunities to add value to others. Listen, every day, as representatives of Jesus Christ, we should be looking for opportunities to add value to others. We should be what I call bucket fillers and lid lifters. You've heard me talk about this before. I believe every day there's opportunities that you can fill someone's bucket, that you can speak life to them. You can be a lid lifter. You can help them come to greater levels of effectiveness and success. And you can lift the lid on their lives. I believe those opportunities are around us all the time. In the grocery store, at school, at the ball game, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. We just need to look for the opportunities to build others up. And as we consistently, continually build others up, sooner or later, you know what's going to happen? I heard someone 
in between services, this past service, a gentleman in our church who's a barber, he says, hey, I get to do this every day. Every day I'm building people up and said, after a few times, after a few haircuts, they come back and say, hey, what's so different about your life? We just fill in their bucket, fill in their bucket, fill in their bucket. And one day they say, well, something's different. So as we're living on assignment, the second thing I encourage you, not just show up with confidence, but be committed to building up, adding value to others. Here's the third up. I, I challenge you. I encourage you to lead up. Lead up. Be an excellent employee or an excellent employer if you own the company. At your work, whatever it may be, have an attitude that reflects the positive nature of God's grace on your life. Do your work with excellence so that, so that your work, your work ethic, and your attitude becomes a living testimony to the people around you of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. Because your work is so much more than work. Matter of fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Paul wrote these words. He says, whatever you do, notice work at it with all your... So when you go to work, wherever you work, listen, don't show up and give half effort. Don't do that. Notice what he says. He says, show up and work with all of your heart. Give it your best. Notice he says, as you're working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it's the Lord Christ you are serving. Listen, some of you have been thinking you're serving Bank of America, and you're not. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you thinking you're serving a, a race team, a race shop. You're not. You're serving the Christ. Some of you think you're, you're out serving a construction company. Listen, you're not. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So lead up. Listen, show up, work hard, give your best, because your work becomes a witness of the reality and the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. Several years ago, this goes way, well, a number of years ago, back to my college days, my wife and I were in Ohio going to Bible college, and it was really a tough time economically in the region where we were going to school, and I couldn't get a job. I've always been able to get work. And I, I, I couldn't find work anywhere. And where we went to school, it was pay as you go or you don't go. None of this get it alone education. I mean, there was none of that. It was pay as you go or you don't go. And so I desperately needed a job. I was scanning the newspaper one morning, and I saw an advertisement. There was a, it was a, um, a family that needed someone to come and work on a rabbit farm. I needed work. I needed a paycheck so I could pay my school bill. So I thought, maybe I can do that. I showed up. To my surprise, I was the only one who showed up to interview for a job on a rabbit farm. <laughs> Imagine that. Because I was the only one who showed up. Guess what? I got the job. So every day after school, I'd go to school in the morning, in the afternoon, I would go out to take care of 3,000 rabbits. If you know anything about rabbits, it quickly became more than 3,000. <laughs> A little multiplication happening. But my job every day, it's a true story, my job every day was feed the rabbits, clean the cages, and clean up rabbit poop. 3,000 rabbits, a lot of poop. Every day, feed the rabbits, clean the cages, clean up rabbit poop. I was in Bible college at this time. I remember 
writing out scriptures on little index cards, and I had a wheelbarrow with the rabbit food in it as I'm feeding the rabbits, and I would stick the cards in the rabbit food, and I would actually read scripture to the rabbits as I was feeding the rabbits. (laughs) I showed up every day, and I gave my best taking care of rabbits, feeding rabbits, cleaning cages, shoveling poop. Every day I showed up and I gave it my best. Amazing how many opportunities I had with that family that was running this business to share my faith. Now, I can't tell you that people that own this rabbit farm became Christ's followers. But what I do know is the way I did my work opened up multiple avenues to have conversations about the faith. Because of how I did my work, it gave me the opportunity to plant the seed of the gospel. Listen, do your work with excellence. Lead up as you're living on assignment. Listen, every day, what are you? You're a living representation of Jesus Christ. So do your work with excellence. Quickly, here's the the fourth up. I encourage you as you're living on assignment to stand up. Be active in doing good deeds. So seize the opportunity, wherever you are, to do good for others. Listen, don't just look out for yourself. Be on the lookout for ways that you can serve others. And listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus said these words. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. We might say there that they could experience your good deeds. They would see your good deeds, experience those And notice, praise your Father in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, as you're going out on assignment, as you're going to that workplace, as you're going to that school, as you're going to that college campus, as you're going to that grocery store, look for the opportunity so that you can just do good for others. You can be a blessing to others. And there's so many ways, so many opportunities. We just have to look for those opportunities where we can like stand up and do good and as we stand up and do good it's amazing how many times it opens the door when we can have a deeper conversation it opens the door when we can begin to speak about the presence and the reality of christ in our lives and what what christ has done for us which leads us to the last up here it is we're living on assignment i i encourage you to speak up Be ready to share your faith. Be ready to tell your story. Be be ready to tell people how they can have their sins forgiven and experience a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Listen, it's great to do the good deeds, but eventually we need to come to the place that we're willing to tell our story. Now, I intentionally put this last, the speak up last, because I think before we ever speak up, we need to show up. We need to lead up. We need to build up. In other words, before we ever speak up about Christ, individuals should have already experienced Christ in our lives and through our lives. They should have experienced the authenticity of the reality of Jesus in us and the love and the grace of Jesus in us that opens the way. And we really don't even have to sell this thing. They come asking the question. Because they've already experienced the reality of Christ in our lives. And when that opportunity comes why we need to be ready be ready to share everything one last verse of scripture in first first peter chapter 3 verse 15 peter wrote these words but in your hearts revere christ as lord notice he says always 
Always, that means all the time, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, we're not beating people up. We're not condemning them. We're not using God's word to wear them out. No, but we're, we're treating them with gentleness and respect. We're honoring them as we're speaking up. He says, always be prepared, always be ready. Because you never know when the door is going to open and you have an opportunity to, to tell people about Jesus, to share the reason for your faith. Now, I've come to discover that a lot of Christ followers get intimidated about speaking up. They get timid. Let me just encourage you with, with a couple things really quick. I think that will help you. First is this. Listen, you don't have to be intimidated because you have help. We talked about it earlier. Who do you have? You have the Holy Spirit that resides in you. Who's going to help you say the right thing even if you think you're going to say the wrong thing? Listen, God's not going to open the door for you and then leave you hanging. No, you have the help of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing. It's not that difficult. We make it, we make it way too difficult and then we, uh, we get intimidated because, well, that's, you know, my pool, I couldn't tell someone about Jesus. What if I, what if I used the wrong, wrong verse of Scripture? Come on, God's going to help you out. It's not that difficult. Matter of fact, I think it's as simple as ABC. How many of you learned your ABCs? ABC. Here it is. A, write this down, it'll help you out. Because God's going to open the door for you. You're going to have an opportunity to speak up. And when you have the opportunity, it's as simple as ABC. A is this. They need to admit that they're a sinner who needs to be saved. I mean, you have to start there. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The B is this. Believe. They need to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, is the Son of God, who was crucified and resurrected. Romans chapter 10 Verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But to believe. And then the C is to confess. To confess Jesus Christ as your Savior. In other words, they simply need to receive Jesus' grace and forgiveness. Romans 10.10 goes on to say, For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So in my, my encouragement to you folks is, is don't be intimidated. It's as simple as ABC. To have the conversation. To tell your story. To tell what Jesus has done for you. And who knows when you might have the opportunity to help someone come to discover what you've already discovered. You've been reconciled to God. You're at peace with God. You can help others come to the place that they're at peace with God to experience both abundant life and the promise of eternal life. That's what you've experienced. And you can help others come to that discovery. It's as simple as ABC. Be willing to speak up. As you're living on assignment, always be ready to give a reason for the faith that you have. Listen, Jesus did not save us just to get us to heaven. You've heard me say that before. If that was his greatest plan, you wouldn't be here right now. He saved us and he left us here so that we could be a part of his redemption mission to our world. So let's live on assignment. 
Listen, look. Look for the opportunities to represent Jesus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Because that's where church really happens. Not here in the building, but when we're scattered throughout the community. We need to be ministers of reconciliation who are on assignment speaking the message of reconciliation. But the scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we need to show up, build up, lead up, stand up, and speak up. And when we're willing to do that, listen, amazing things are going to happen as we're living on assignment. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you today. First, for the wonder of your mercy and grace to us. God, we thank you for reconciliation. We thank you today, God, that we can be at peace with you. Not because of what we have done, but God, because of what you did for us. God, we're grateful. And what we understand today is with the privilege comes responsibility that you've reconciled us. And now you've given us the privilege of being a part of the process. You've called us to live on assignment in the grocery store where we shop, when we go to the mall, when we go to the workplace, when we go to our high schools, when we go to that college campus to live on assignment. And so, Lord, today, we embrace that. And beyond embracing it, Lord, we pray for family members and friends today who are far from you, who need to be reconciled, Lord, who need to come to experience peace with you. Lord, we all have family members and, and peers, co-workers who, who today, God, that, that they're lost. And you love them outrageously. But there's a necessity of them turning to you to embrace that of your mercy and grace. So today, we pray for those family members and friends. With every head bowed, right now, I want you to think about family members and friends that you have that you know are far from God. You're thinking of their names. You see their faces. Lord, we pray right now for these family members and friends who are far from you. God, what we know is that it's your will that none would perish, but that all would come to experience your love, your grace, your salvation. So, Lord, today we lift up that family member, that aunt, that uncle, that cousin. We lift up parents, grandparents. Today, God, we pray for peers who are far from you. God, right now we call their name before you. And Lord, more than calling their name before you, God, we're saying, here we are. We want to be on assignment to that family member, to that friend. And we're making ourselves available to be a part of the reconciliation process, to be a part of telling the story as you bring your miracle of redemption, as you bring your miracle of reconciliation. So not only do we pray for them, but God, again, we say, here we are, use us. No longer are we going to be satisfied just to sit in a pew on a Sunday morning. Lord, we're committing to be individuals who are living on assignment. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, 
Visit us at gracecovenant.org.